Find other great podcasts like this one at podmoth.network. If you're looking for another spooky and funny podcast to add to your rotation, check out Anything Bones, now part of the Podmoth Network. Hey, Boneheads, I'm Sophie Schwartz. And I'm Caitlin Hart. And we're the hosts of Anything Bones, the podcast where we talk about bones and bone-related topics. Soph, what are bone-related topics? Thank you for asking, Caitlin. This can be anything from mausoleums to murderers, famous skeletons to cadaver dogs, bone churches, mummies, serial killers. You'll hear about them all. And sometimes we have guests stop by and tell us their favorite bony tales. Check out Anything Bones on Apple, Spotify, Stitcher, iHeartRadio, or wherever your little heart desires. We release new episodes every Saturday. Bone Voyage. Hey, what's up, you guys? I'm Catherine. And I'm Haley. And we are Saturdays for the Ghouls, a Podmoth podcast. How are you doing, Haley? I'm all right. How are you? I'm also all right. That's that's the sign that both of us fucking hate our lives right now, but it's fine. Where's the lie? You don't got to put us on blast like that. We're real. Okay, well, if, no, if, if nobody knows that we hate our life already. True. Well, we were gone last week, and we missed you. We missed all of you guys. Okay, let's get down to business. Let's get the feet. down to business. The Huns. To defeat the Huns. Yeah, sorry. You send me daughters. Okay, we're not going to sing today. Too late. Okay. Are you ready? Yes. Okay. It's true crime week, in case anybody was wondering. If you haven't devised that's true crime week, let's just get into it. I'm not going to tell you the title of this true crime. I mean, you will have read the title if you read. If you don't read, you won't know. So we're going to talk about a man, and his name is Arthur Arthur Duper Ralts. Arthur Duper Ralts. He's an optometrist, which is an eye doctor, and he's from Green Bay, Wisconsin. His biggest dream, Arthur's biggest dream, was to live on a sailboat for a year and sail around the world. So this was back in 1961. His dreams were kind of about to come true. Hmm. During the Wisconsin winter, which we all know Wisconsin gets cold as fuck, he was going to spend a week out at sea in the Bahamas with his family. His family includes his wife, Jean, his son, Brian, who was 14, and his daughters, Terry Joe, 11, and Renee, 7. If all, if all went well, he was going to be able to stay longer and extend his trip on the sea if everything was going well. So they flew down to Florida, and they left from a dock in Fort Lauderdale, Florida. Um, they rented a two-mast sailboat, and the sailboat's name was Bluebell. Like the ice cream. Like the ice cream, yes. They hired an ex-Air Force Lieutenant Colonel, Julian Harvey, to help captain the ship, and his wife, Dean, or Dina, came along with them. So they left from 
the port in Fort Lauderdale on November 8th, 1961. And yeah, I know everything happens in November. Calm down. I was like, wow, 1961. So they boarded the boat and they began their trip through the sea towards the Bahamas. After four days of sailing, they went towards the islands of Bimini and they spent a great week on the island and on the water. They went snorkeling, they did seashell collecting, and they had lots of family fun. Arthur said it was a once-in-a-lifetime vacation. After the trip, they began filling out their paperwork to return to the United States so that they could be home before Christmas. The night that they filled out their paperwork to return to the U.S., at about 9 p.m., Terry Joe, the 11-year-old daughter, made her way down to, like, the sleeping cabin and the bottom of the boat. And... She went back there to go to sleep, but her sister and her brother and her mother and her father stayed up in the cockpit to, like, see the ocean and, you know, do boat things, I guess. <laughs> do boat things. Terry Joe was woken abruptly to the sound of her brother yelling, help daddy, help. And then the sound of, like, running and thudding and, like, stomping and then silence. Nothing. So Terry Joe was really scared. She was in the bedroom all by herself, but after about five minutes, she was like, I, I gotta, I mean, I'm stuck here, so I gotta figure out what's happening out there. So she like tiptoed out of the room, and right as she opened the door, she saw her mom and her brother lying in a puddle of blood in front of the door. So she tried not to look at them because she didn't want to see it. She knew that they were dead. She continued to look for the rest of her family. So she went up the little stairs and opened the hatch and she like peered around and she saw more blood, but she didn't see any more bodies. And Julian Harvey, the captain, was like, he pushed her back into the stairwell and was like, stay down there. You have to stay down there. Like something's happening. You have to stay down there. So she like didn't want to look at her mom and her brother and she went back to the bedroom because she was scared she was 11 you know right soon she started hearing like sloshing sounds and the sound of like water and the smell of gas and that meant that the bottom was starting to fill with water so she saw harvey come or julian harvey come down the stairs and it looked like he was carrying a rifle and he kind of like looked around and then he went back upstairs. And at this point, she was like in the back room, like with the door closed. So maybe he didn't see her. Maybe he couldn't find her. So she had waited to the point where the water had risen to the height of the mattress in that sleeping cabin. And so she had to wade her way back to the staircase if she wanted to get out. And so she went back up to the stairs and went all the way back up. And she opened the door and she was like, are we sinking like to whoever was listening because she didn't know who was her she knew her mother and her brother were dead she didn't know who she was talking to up here but she was like are we sinking and julian said yes so he gave her a rope that that was attached to like the lifeboat that was on the side of the it was like a little wooden lifeboat and she he's like hold this and so she was 11 and she was scared and she dropped the rope which meant that the boat fell off the side of the the little ship and started floating away from the the sinking boat so 
Julian had to think quickly and he jumped off into the water and tried to swim to the little boat and she couldn't she couldn't see him anymore it was too dark she couldn't see him she she lost the boat and him and so at this point she was on a sinking boat by herself 11 years old so Terry Joe is 11 and alone on on the sea oh my god so she now she She's trying to think fast and she looks to the other side of the boat and there's one of those like little floaties that, you know, I'm pretty sure what they're, what the floaty looked like was kind of like the little circle floaties that you give, like a lifeguard would give you. Yeah. Something along that. Cause that's what I imagined when they explained it. So she got the floaty down and she threw it out to the water and basically she had to swim slash crawl. Because the the floor of the boat was going under the water. So she had to like basically slim and climb up onto this floaty thing. So she's in the middle of the night in the ocean and she's just on this little tiny float. So she had, the float was so small that she had to kind of sit up on the float. She wasn't really able to lay down very much. And she had no food, no water, nothing to keep her warm or protect her from like the elements. She was wearing just like a white little, like, like a linen top and like pink shorts. And so she wasn't really not, really was not prepared to be in the ocean. So then it began basically downpouring for a little bit and basically just drenched her, all of her clothes, her hair, the float, obviously. And then she was like thinking like, where's my dad? Like, where's my sister? Soon the sun came up and it was the morning time and. The sun started warming her up, but then it got way too hot. And it was like over 85 degrees. And the float was beginning to kind of deteriorate in the water. And so much so that she, her feet and her legs were like dangling off into the water. And the little parrotfish were biting at her legs and feet. They're just like one of those little fish that kind of like nip. Yeah. And then on Tuesday, this was Monday. On Tuesday, she saw a red plane flying over and she tried to wave it down with her shirt. It did pass directly over her, so much so that she could see the words that were on the bottom of the plane. But in that angle, the pilots would never be able to see her. So the plane did not stop for her. She was in the Northwest Province Channel, which if she stayed there, if her body stayed there, she stayed there, it would eventually drift her out into the Atlantic Ocean. Nope. Yeah. On Tuesday afternoon, she saw a little ghostly figure just under the water, and it was a little family of porpoises, little black eyes, eyes, and she said that she felt very comforted by them being there, and they stayed around her for, like, hours. And after hours in the sun on Tuesday, the sun finally went down, which was a relief to her burning skin, but it was also the height of like scary time you know yeah scary nighttime and no one knows if she really saw this or if she was hallucinating but she saw lights in island in the distance and so she started trying to paddle towards it and eventually she just kind of passed out because she had literally nothing to like she had no energy left after basically floating in the water in the sun all day with no food and no water so The next day and a half, Wednesday and half of Thursday, she moved in and out of consciousness and she just was 
basically on the brink of death. And on Thursday, she woke up and she saw a really big figure above her and faint voices. And then these big, strong arms pulled her out of the water. And it was a boat of people and they took her to Miami Hospital and she recovered. The day after the ship sank, though, an oil tanker spotted a wooden boat. And they got closer and they found Julian Harvey on the wooden boat. He told the Coast Guard, no, he told the Coast Guard that he was a sole survivor in a boating accident and that a mass collapsed on top of everyone on board and the gas lines ruptured and the boat caught on fire. He was able to dive onto a lifeboat, but everyone else was trapped on the sinking ship. When Julian was made aware of the fact that Terry Jo survived and was in the hospital and she was recovered, the next day a maid entered his hotel room and she had found that he had committed suicide. He committed suicide? Yes. Oh, okay. So police questioned Terry Joe about that night and she told her she told them her story and they realized that Julian was in fact lying. And in fact, prior to the boat trip, he had been having a very hard time holding down a job and had come into some serious financial problems. He had also just taken out a double indemnity insurance policy on Dean. And that double indemnity means that there's like a clause in the policy that means if they die because of an accident, you get double the face amount of the contract. So if you take a $100,000 life insurance policy out on someone with a double indemnity clause, that means that if they die by accident, you get $200,000. That's crazy. Mm -hmm. So the police figured out that Julian had killed his wife and that the reason he killed the rest of the people on the boat was that someone caught him in the act of killing his wife, probably Arthur. And so then he had to kill everyone who knew about the fact that he killed his wife and everyone on board. And I'm assuming he thought that Harry would stay on the boat and die as well because there was no other boat left, you know, after he swam out to it. So after her recovery, she went to live with her father's sister. And when she turned 12, she changed her name to... I think it's, it's, I think it's Ter, T-E-R-E, just as she wasn't associated with Terry Joe and being like that victim of Terry Joe. Yeah. And unfortunately, because this all happened in the 60s and we had like a zero mental health system, she didn't have any kind of therapy. She didn't have any trauma therapy. She didn't speak about what happened to her for over 20 years. So basically when she was 30-something years old is when she started talking about it. That's wrong. Um, Yeah. That's crazy. In 2010, though, she wrote a memoir called Alone and Orphaned on the Ocean. It was was co-written by her and a survival therapist or something. Like a, it was like a therapist who also is like a survival expert. So they wrote it together and she was able to you know, tell people about her story. People speculate on why Julian didn't kill her. Some say it was because subconsciously he wanted to get caught. Right. But some also say that when she lost hold of the rope, he had no choice at that point. He had to go on the boat if he wanted to save his life. So that makes more sense to me if he was really the type of guy who would have done this. Like, he was just trying to save his ass. And he didn't have time to kill her. 
because she let go of the rope. You know what I mean? Yeah. And he also just assumed that she would die when the boat went down. Mm -hmm. So about 49 years after this, she went on TV and she even said she she assumed that the reason he left her was because he figured she would just go down with the ship. And she also said that she never wants anyone to hear her story and think she what a poor little girl. She wants people to know that she's moved on with her life and that she says that she's always she's, quote, always believed that she's been saved for a reason. And if someone can heal from a life tragedy after reading her story, that her journey would have been worth it. There you go. Amen. That's right. That's right. So we'll just add her to one of the other badass females that we've talked about in this fucking podcast. Yeah. That's it. I like that one. We got a, a murder a murder boat. Murder boat. I thought it was I thought it was interesting than just like the same story of like someone being taken captive and blah blah like blah blah. You know what I mean? Yeah. I just felt like it was a little bit different than what we normally talk about. It is we haven't had a, a on the boat one. Yeah. People have called her like a sea orphan. And so that's the story that I heard was kind of like an orphan was found on the sea after losing her parents in a boat boating accident. I didn't, but like the beginning of the story, it doesn't seem like there's going to be a crime happening. You know what I mean? Yeah. Seems like the beginning of like Jaws or something. Anyway, so what's all I got? Well, thank you, Catherine, for bringing us that <clears throat> swashbuckling story. In Inspiring story. Yes. I'm glad, like, yeah, it's sad, but I'm glad that she survived. Because I would not want that man to have $200,000. Yeah, and I don't know how much the insurance was for. Oh, right, right, right. I just, that was just like an example of like what a double indemnity clause would be. Like it could have been more. However much money. That's also a red flag. Like I always hated that. I, I saw that in so many CSI episodes where someone's spouse would die and then like the week prior they opened like a life insurance policy and I'm like, right. Red flag. And I was like, how how much cliche could this man get? Mm-hmm. But, you know, he's a coward. Mm-hmm. As we've seen in other cases, he's just another one to add to the list of fucking cowards. Yep. Can't <laughs> even face the crime no can't even face what uh, an 11 year old girl can't even face her can't do the time for the crime yeah we have one badass female one coward to add to the list and (laughs) that's usually how it is it's like a coward man and then it's some like survival strong chick yeah exactly do you have anything to tell the spooky babes before we go spooky babes we hope you didn't miss us too greatly. We are back at weekly. It's just been a crazy couple of weeks for both of us. Mm-hmm. So we took a tiny antsy weedsy widow break. But we are back and better than it. Anyway, we hope you enjoyed our TikTok if you did watch it. If not, you can follow us on TikTok and watch me and Catherine just be funny. And just go ham on some horror movies. It's it's so funny. It makes me laugh every time. I wish that we had recorded more TikToks while we were together. Mm-hmm. It was 
In case you didn't know, we talked about our horror icks on TikTok. So you should go like mosey on over there and listen to it. It's a little chaotic and it's really funny. <laughs> and I think you'll be able to understand our vibe better if you watch that video, because that's kind of like how our podcast is. True. Like how we act when we're talking about <laughs> stuff on podcasts. I know you guys have TikTok. Don't fucking lie to me. You have TikTok. I know you do. I know during COVID sometime you were like, I'm not going to download that fucking app with dancing on it. But I know you fucking did during COVID sometime. <laughs> go on there and just go to Saturdays for the Ghouls. That's our TikTok name. And just go follow us. Okay, love you. Say <laughs> so now be a good little spooky bitch. <laughs> yeah, be a good girl. <laughs> okay. Yeah. Are you going to shout out one of our friends, our spooky babes? I do want to give a little shout out to a local spooky babe who is a friend of mine. Her name is Jess and she's great. And she listens to every two episodes and I it just makes me feel really happy that there's people actually out there that enjoy listening to our nonsense banter. <laughs> Yay, <Pause>. Jess. <laughs> Yay, Jess. Yeah. <laughs> do you have anything else to tell the spooky guys before we go? We love you. Have a good life. See you next Hi. week. Have a good life. See you next week. And spooky babes, just remember, you matter. There's a reason why you're here. And the world is a better place with you in it. And we will see you in your nightmares. <laughs>